it's like an artist's date slash sabbatical. And I love the word sabbatical too, because it's got a sort of the Sabbath, it's got something sacred about it. And I really, I feel like that's Mm. also an important element that it's a space that is sacred that I'm making. I'm self-funding it. I'm self-directing it and it's mine. And I'm going to do, you know, something within that space. Welcome to Soul Traders, the podcast about creative work. I'm Amy Snookstra, a writer and digital strategist living in Melbourne, where we're emerging from the world's longest lockdown. Joining me, as always, is Bo Wong, a photographer living in Western Australia, otherwise known as the Golden Cage. Yes, we're very happy in our Golden Cage. (laughs) Yeah, so sorry to hear about your bum scene over there. (laughs) Anyway. We have been doing some really fun interviews lately and you and I actually haven't seen each other for quite a few weeks because we've been doing these sort of solo interviews with other folks. I interviewed Riz McDonald from Found Legal and, Amy, you interviewed Kitia Palaskis and I fucking loved that interview so much. So much gold there, wasn't it? Oh, my God. There was so much gold in there. I feel like I'd have got to, like we could have had three episodes with her. Like she just. Oh, yeah. She gets it. She's like she's really trying to talk about the same issues that I think we are on this podcast. Yeah, totally. Through her channel. Lots of this stuff around creative burnout, creative well-being. Yeah, I love the way she puts it, creative well-being. Mm. That's a really a really good way to frame all of these these issues. Yeah. So what really stood out from that interview for you, Bo? Well, I guess I listened to it at a really poignant time as well. Like I just, it was almost, you know, when you listen to something and you're like, I needed to hear this. So that was really good because I've been thinking about how we as a community build in space and time and budgets for decompression. And it's like Mm. that aftercare that we need to be able to hit the next project with gusto. So that's why the interview was so spot on for me, because I've been thinking about how as a freelancer, you, it's like getting, you know, you get paid your day rate, but you know, how do we build in the fact that there's all the preparation and also you just smashed after major projects. Like you actually do Mm. need time to decompress And I know like here in the Golden Cage in WA, there is an undercurrent of burnout happening across, especially the visual arts sector, obviously not so much in the music, you know, because touring is off, but very much in the visual arts sector, we've been delivering huge amounts of projects. And we've also then had to deliver all of those projects online. And so there's been whole, you know, major exhibitions going up where the artists can't come into Western Australia. So they're basically, you know, running install and curatorial, all of those services are doing things through FaceTime and Zoom, you know, and then trying to make sure that the artists and the rest of the world has access to the work. Obviously that's all going to come through video and photography and, you know, it's so it's just it's a lot of extra work. Bit of a mouse wheel in that golden cage that you're on. 
you know, and it's all great. It's all good work and, you know, we're all fucking grateful. You've got to be happy. You've got to be grateful. You've got to be happy. Everyone's fucking telling me I've got to be happy. But I guess it's like I think as an arts culture we're still a culture but we're all made up of individuals and we're sort of waiting for someone, you know, some boss, some grown-up to come and recognise our efforts and inherently understand that we need time out after projects to decompress and refresh. So it's not built into any budgets or funding frameworks that I've ever been a part of. And in other areas it's just called leave or your accruing toil, which is I think stands for mm. time. Or flex. Time, time off in lieu. lieu. Oh, yeah, flex time or something, yeah. <laughs> we don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. What's that? <laughs> so we don't accrue any toil or sick leave or personal leave. We also don't accrue, you know, unless we're doing it for ourselves, we don't have superannuation going away for our big leave, which is retirement, and, you know, also like long service leave. So, you know, it's that thing where I've, I've talked about this a lot where I'm often the only person sitting in the room who's or had been in the past anyway who's not getting paid to be there. So everyone else is sitting yeah. on a salary and I'm coming in expecting to be. For so, a meeting. You know. Yeah. Anyway, it, it just that interview that you did with Kitty, it just sort of it really reinforced some of this stuff about how, look, I'm not saying I've got the answer on like how do we do all these things. But I think that there's like, there's somewhere, there's got to be a quantification around what it means to care for arts workers. And there's got to be a way of putting it into policy, ways that it can sit in spreadsheets so that it can be moved up the food chain. A factor. And Mm. factored in. We don't even really have the language for it. In, in arts and in creative industries, do we? Well, that's what's interesting because we we deliver projects on time, on budget, constantly. And, you know, it's a matter of immediate importance. And yeah, so anyway, it was just such a great, great interview. So well done you. That was awesome. I agree. She had so much to offer. She, you know, the way she you know, ruminating on thinking on the same sort of subjects that we often speak about on Soul Traders and the, the language that she's got to and the kind of the questions that she asks, I think it's really interesting to hear hear her perspective on it. I think one of the things that really stood out to me from that conversation was, you know, just reiterating in her language, you know, talking about the creative and the personal, you know, how you just can't have that separation and mm. the sort of struggles that she's had and the kind of thoughts she's had about, you know, well, basically I think she's just sort of accepted that that her work is so personal to her. So having that kind of separation that you ideally would have in order to kind of set boundaries and, and maintain your own well-being, mm. that's really challenging and that's sort of an ongoing struggle. And I thought the way she put that, articulated that was very interesting. Yeah. Also this idea of valuing time, it kind of sits so closely with other episodes we've done around boundary stuff, but also the idea of valuing your time and your expertise. And I think as in arts culture and in, you know, the freelancer sort of world, I sometimes think we should probably take a leaf out of consultants' books Like if you have to drive somewhere, 
You charge to be mm. sitting in the car driving to the place and you charge per kilometre and then when you get there, you're sitting in the meeting, you don't, you know, I mean, as arts workers, you often get asked to be on, you know, focus panels and stuff like that and focus groups mm. for yeah. many hours in the middle of a work day and they're offering you lunch and you're like, <laughs> and you want diversity yeah, in your focus group. If you want diversity in your focus group, you need people who you know, who actually need to be paid to be there, not people mm. who can afford to have lots of days where they're oh, giving their stuff. <laughs> it's just so. It's really quite distorted, isn't it? Mm. The other thing that Kidia said that really resonated with me, she was talking about her own experience of burnout and just the way she articulated it, in particular just her absolute terror that she would never feel creative again, like she'd really lost something that was just so valuable to her. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty full on. I mean, that's dire. Isn't it? Yeah, that we just kind of can't, I mean, it's really hard to explain to somebody what that feels like. Mm. You almost have to experience it. Yeah. For yourself. Well, you know, I'd say that pretty much um, every woman I know who's my age definitely knows that feeling. (laughs) 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 Unfortunately common. Now, speaking of burnout, you know, on this positive note, how's it going coming out of lockdown? You must be rooted. It's it's not like you just suddenly jump out the door and it's all good again. I am so extroverted. So I found lockdown really hard. Everybody did. I mean, it's really unnatural to have that extended period of, of being isolated and services not available and not able to see people in normal ways. But my expectation was that I that I would just jump in and you know because I I don't I didn't expect to have any social anxiety and that's not something that I've experienced but a lot of other people have Mm. you know being back in crowded Mm. spaces and socializing again not really an issue for me but you know because I'm extroverted my and I really rely on seeing people collaborating being in spaces with other people Mm. to get my energy Mm. so I thought great that's going to be so great We'll come out of lockdown and I'll get that magic golden bullet again. But actually it's the opposite has happened. You know, it's been great to see people and I have felt much happier. But energy-wise, I think I was just gritting my teeth just trying to get through lockdown and what happened was when things started to open up, I just fell in a heap. I was just totally... Yeah, um, I'm calling it post-lockdown fatigue. Yeah, I, do you know what? I've actually heard a few people talk about it and it's, you know, I'd say it it's a transition and, you know, it's just not a switch that can be flicked. And it's also a transition Definitely into something not. new. And i got to say in WA there's been a few people who have made their way across the border. They've, you know, they've come over, they've done their two weeks in quarantine. I was at a party the other night. And two of the people there had just come out of quarantine from Melbourne and they were like stunned mullets at this party because I can imagine it was, and I could see how disconcerting it was because in Western Australia, people are still hugging one, like every, it's like we're having parties. It's like all this stuff has been going on because we've been in yeah. this sort of, you know, the golden cage, but yeah, I can see that people are just carrying and it has been like that the whole time I've been here with people coming over from Melbourne and struggling 
you know, we're going to restaurants and they're just like, what the fuck is this? You know, just people bustling around, people on top of, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's a different. And, you know, you're also emerging into a different world and, you know, Western Australia will be in that world. You know, we've got a bit of lead time into, you know, we've basically got prior warning about what it's going to look like next year for us. COVID normal. COVID normal, that's right. Yeah. And so we'll be moving into that ourselves. But, yeah, look, don't be nice to you. You know, it's fucking tough, man. Yeah. Look, self-compassion's the only thing that's helping right now because, you know, I've been really experiencing the, you know, productivity guilt. I think Mm. we need to devote a whole episode to it because um, (laughs) just thinking what's happening to my list, Mm. why isn't it getting done? Yeah. And I've just had to just be like, you know what, this, you know, just bit of big sort of bit of bit of leeway to readjust. And no one's expecting you to fire on all cylinders at this point, you know. So don't worry about it. Thanks, Bo. I still love your fire on one cylinder. I'm like, oh, yeah, one cylinder's you, good. Bo. You know? <laughs> we have to talk about another recent episode that we did oh my on God. emails. The email episode. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so many DMs and so much interesting feedback on that one. We have to talk about your situation because in that episode, if you haven't heard it, it's uh, maybe three Mm. episodes ago or something, it's the last time that you and I got together and you talked about this thing which I was obviously horrified by, which is that you've got, I don't know if you said hundreds or thousands, it wouldn't matter to me, just anything more than like 20 is just too many. Tens of thousands, I think it was, yeah. Okay, so what what happened? Have you pivoted, Amy? Have you had an email pivot? (laughs) It's more of a complete rethink or reversal. So I called you up, Bo, and I had to admit that, like, I'd just completely changed my mind on how I deal with my inbox. I After that episode, you know, we put a question sticker on Instagram. We got some really, we got lots of people talking about what they do, lots of people are militant like you are, unsubscribe, you know, inbox zero. Anyway, so this sort of discussion was happening and I started to look at my inbox and, you know, I started to think about how I usually approach things, my, you know, minimalist kind of streamlined Marie Kondo kind of approach to all other areas of my life. And then, you know what, I realised that it bothered me, you know. I've got these <laughs> tens of thousands of unopened emails and, yes, they're in folders, but I started to realise that I just wasn't, I was uncomfortable. Yeah. So I did an experiment and I tried something that I read about in Tess McCabe's Silodge newsletter that piqued my interest and it is, it's a way of using Gmail where you set up multiple inboxes. So your inbox is split into these different sort of windows. And what you do is you sort of triage emails when they come in, you archive everything, but before you archive it, you, you mark it with, with these colored stars, you know, you know, needs action or needs following up. Or one of mine is read later because I, you know, get lots of newsletters and some of them I actually do want to read, but just not immediately. Anyway, so I tried it. And a few things happened. First of all, I just got, once I'd opened the floodgates, 
and I'm seeing actually seeing all the emails that come in, I just was so overwhelmed by this deluge of just junk. And I I also really enjoyed unsubscribing from things. I thought, why am I getting this? What is this trash? I can't even remember signing up for it. It's just, you know, 20 to 50 emails a day of this absolute garbage. And I was like, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. So that, you know, took out post-lockdown fatigue. Like maybe I was just spending yeah. all my time with on this inbox pivot. Yeah, you pressed the unsubscribe button so many times. You should be exhausted. <laughs> Bo, I've got to say, I am a total convert. I so, I look at my inbox now and it says, Gmail says, you know, when you've cleared it, you have no new emails, exclamation mark. I was like, yes, feeling so much satisfaction. No more of these kind of like ghostly idea of, of these, all these unread kind of things weighing on me. So yeah, complete reversal. Oh man, you're just living the freedom. And I, I mean, I'm at the point, I'm like, (laughs) fuck folders. Like I don't just know systems. I'm either replying to it or it's finished. The end. Anyway, I had this. So the night after we recorded that, I just can't believe we did a whole podcast on emails and now we're still talking about it. Oh, it's a big button issue for people. Ricky and I went out for a drink and, you know, having a bit of a chat about this and that. And I said, look, you know, we, you know, we recorded this podcast on emails and I basically whinged the whole time. I was like day 27 or something of my menstrual cycle. And I was like, anyone who sends me a fucking Great email <laughs> dies now. If I get a reply all, <laughs> I'm going to come for you. <laughs> but anyway, so he was saying, so he works for a not-for-profit, which has about a hundred employees. And he was saying, so They have a main regional office and he works in other smaller towns all around that larger regional office. So he's not on site anyway, but there's constant emails where people email the entire organization of over 100 people to say, happy birthday, Susan or whoever, (laughs) right? And then instead of other people just then contacting Susan to say happy birthday, it's a reply all. Oh, wow. Happy birthday to you. I hope you have a great day. And then another <laughs> reply all that might say, there's cake in the break room at something or other. And then other people will say, yummy. And re- just this constant reply. Anyway, he was just going through all these things that people do in this organization. I was thinking, holy, I mean, my problems are not problems. Like that is a problem. Anyway, so that was really funny. And, oh, yeah, and then later, a few hours later, there'd be another all-in email which would say, there's some cake left in the fridge. <laughs> you know, like it just went on and on and on. <laughs> oh, um, my so God. So just after we recorded that episode all about how much I dislike reply all and all the email things, I then became inspired to write an email for the first time in like <laughs> nearly two years. So I have a newsletter, which is called Bo Wong's Occasional Newsletter, so that it's like clear that it's not a weekly Very thing. occasional. So I send it intermittently at best <laughs> and triennially at worst. Anyway, in this moment of ironic timing, I felt inspired after that, you know, all about overflowing inboxes to write something. And then, of course, I was like, oh, shit, I should get people to subscribe because I actually haven't written anything for probably two years. 
And so then I had to go onto Instagram and ask people to subscribe to my email newsletter, <laughs> which there's no shame in it. Well, it was pretty funny because some people got back to me and said, look, here's my email address. I will subscribe, but only because I know that you are not going to send me millions of emails. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I have built this trust through, yeah. you know, being too either lazy or busy to ever write email newsletters. Anyway, so I wrote this email newsletter and I reminded people about the Soul Traders Retreat, which, you know, www.soultraders.net. Are we .au? I can't remember. I think we are. Yeah, anyway, so there's some dots. We are, yeah. There's some W's. <laughs> anyway, and there's a forward slash retreat. We'll put some sort of link in the show notes. But honestly, if you Googled Soul Traders Retreat, you would find it. And anyway, all your questions there. So what else do I talk about? I talk about the burnout thing, the visual arts community, have a bit of a whinge about that. Talk the about big news, the Bo, recent project. Get I'm getting there. News. I'm getting there. I talk about recent projects and then I talk about, okay, you do a drum roll now. Thank you. I'm going to take an eight-month self-funded, self-directed sabbatical in 2022. That's it. That's Woo. the news. Yeah, okay, so that was, you know. It's huge. It's bold. Bo, tell us about it. So I'm going to, basically I was waiting for someone to, like tap me on the shoulder and say it's time to have a rest and time to have a break. <laughs> the grown-ups. Yeah, but the, anyway, the grown-ups didn't come and do that for me, so I've had to do it for myself. So it's really just making a circuit breaker for myself. And I feel like I am a bit out on a limb because I, I've sort of asked around other businesses and I really don't know anyone who's done it before and, you know, especially as a sole trader because, of course, our big fear is that if we take time off that everyone will forget about us and we won't be able to pick up our business again or that someone else will take all our business and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So, But it, I think I've just got this kind of really loud and clear call to do this thing and it's been, you know, it's still a bit of a mystery to me about what it is and isn't going to be. But, you know, it's I guess I'm trying to make some space for creativity, for maybe some mystery and some unexpected things because I think, you know, I've just sort of I'm really tightly scheduled for most of the year and I haven't had a break. I work, you know, monstrously and long days. And big chunks of tra travel. Huge amounts of travel. And, look, there's no question that if I did have a job where I accrued some sort of leave, I would definitely have accrued <laughs> <you> this <laughs> leave. <laughs> But, yeah, it's, it has been a bit, you know, it's taken a while to sort of formulate in my mind exactly what it is and then I wanted to obviously be able to to give the message to my clients and colleagues in a really clear way so it didn't feel like it was lots of grey area for them. So I, that's why it's sort of taken so long to to do. But, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It's very exciting. Yeah. Bo, and I'm curious to know how it was received and what sort of feedback you got? Mostly positive. Well, obviously, you know, people aren't going <laughs> to email you back and say, you're a fuckwit, <laughs> I don't care about your time <laughs> off. But Reply all. Yeah, reply all. 
Look, it has been interesting. And obviously my biggest concern are my ongoing clients. So I've already had conversations with those organizations. And amazingly, some of the people who are going to be the most inconvenienced by my sabbatical have been the most supportive. And that made me feel so held in a creative arts community that there was an understanding like, Mm. yes, this is going to be inconvenient. We're going to have to do a few workarounds but we're so happy for you that this is what you're doing. And it's, you know, it's really, and it actually quite a few people have said to me that they've, it's started a few chats in their office around, A, what are uh-huh. we going to do with that bow? But also B, what about this crazy and the sort of. The broader issue. Yeah, just the broader mm. issue for everyone. So one of the other comments was that it might also give some other photographers some space to step up into some bigger jobs of mine. So, I mean, you know, that could be a double-edged sword. (laughs) I might lose a whole (laughs) bunch of clients, but, you know, we'll see. And all of the organisations have, you know, said to me, oh, great, we just want to book you for the month. As soon as you finish, we're ready for you to come back. So that's also really nice. I mean, I think that's a clear signal that you've built really good relationships with those clients, that they're so supportive, even though they're the ones most inconvenient. Yeah, totally. And it will be, you know, it's one of those things like because we haven't been able to travel outside of Western Australia, and, you know, I found it really hard. to. I, I find going overseas every year is a way of creating, you know, a moat between me and work. And so not being able to do that, I've just constantly worked. So I'm going to sort of see it as though I'm overseas, but actually I'm going to be mostly home in Denmark, which is where I really do want to be spending some more time. So I won't be shooting for clients. I won't be working on most of my usual projects. And, you know, people are saying, well, what are you going to do? And to be honest, I'm, I I do have some ideas, but they feel a little bit fragile to sort of, you know, flesh out yet you know, with other people. So, you know, I'm just kind of, I've got little seeds germinating and yeah, I'm just looking forward to the idea, I guess, of open space and, you know, it's sort of daunting, but also really exciting. And it sort of reminds me of, you know, when we first moved down to Denmark, it was like a pretty nutty decision. It didn't have any, it certainly had no financial kickback and it didn't seem to be a good career move. Well, I think you expected that that was the end of your, going to be the end of your photography career. Yeah. And that was interesting because at this time I haven't felt like I might go and do something else. Like I do think about what sort of parallel life could I be living? Could I be studying something else and changing careers and, you know, but actually I don't want to change my career. I love my job. I'm just, you know, it's just, I need to just need to make some space. Yeah. I need a bit of a breather and Obviously, you know, most people will be like, oh, well, that's all fine and well and, you know, you can do that and whatnot. But I also, you know, in WA, we're such a boom and bust state. And so, you know, all of my worries about money look, and, you know, I've earned a lot of money lately so I can park some away. But I also, that'll run out very quickly, I'm sure. And I also know how to live on next to nothing. And, you know, and my kids have jobs. So. <laughs> And grow virtually all your own food yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. So, you know. Talking about the abundance of avocados total and everything. self-sufficiency. I'm basically going to live off avocados and not answer emails. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like bliss. 
Yeah. But, you know, I wonder, like, the broad issue is very interesting to me. And I think, you know, it makes me very happy to think about your creative sabbatical spurning these other sort of conversations in the creative communities Yeah, about how can we kind of build this into the culture because it's it's absent. It's completely, like you said, I think you've searched for, for language to even talk about what you're trying to do because. Yeah, totally. You can't just say, oh, I've, my long service sleeve is up, so see ya. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like how do we change the language so that this is more commonplace? Yeah, I I don't know, and I'm I I'd like to think that I'm a person who could maybe build into if I were a more moderate or person who could moderate things. I would think, oh, you know, just I mean, that's what weekends are for, for example, or you know, take holidays, <laughs> or I mean, I guess that's what normal people do to moderate <laughs> their workload. Don't ask me. I both. don't know. <laughs> So I was thinking, yeah, and then I was thinking what, you know, if you didn't want to do such an extreme action of like, you know, eight months or a year or whatever, what could you do? Would you do one week or here and there or even every day? Or seasons. Seasons, yep. Or just like annual annual holidays, you know, where you just, that's just accepted like in France everyone just buggers off for a month. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And nobody's expected to do anything. Yeah. I do think that those things are probably in like nobody really expects much from you from like the 23rd of December through to the 6th of January or whatever. Yeah, but Bo, like we talked about gentle January. Oh, it was not gentle. It was I didn't, jagged. That didn't even happen for either of us. So like, mm. you know, our beginning of the year was just like Come Chinese New Year, we're like, okay, well, yeah. let's just regroup and yeah. think about what we're doing because, like, just haven't stopped. Like, it just ran on for both of us. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much took Christmas Day off. The Australian summer yeah. hasn't even happened for us. So I just think we need to have a lot more discussion in general about building in these this culture of taking breaks and taking breathers and making space mm. for other parts of our life outside of work. Yeah, I mean, the thing is as well, like natural, you know, different things happen like, you know, you might take maternity leave or something like that. Everyone's got varying cycles, I guess. Mm. So it's about I was thinking about to identify what might because summer is not a time, it's not a downtime for me. Like we're leading into, you know, all of our large festival events happen in February in Perth. You know, so January, most of summer, lots of people in the arts are really working very hard to make February, you know, is quite a crescendo. Happen. Yeah, happen for Perth Fest. And obviously in December, everyone's trying to finish, you know, wrap the year. So, you know, there's lots of work then too. So, you know, at the beginning of this season, season two, Soul Traders podcast, as in that season, we originally talked about this idea of having a book club, like Soul Traders Book Club, and we were going to <laughs> yeah. read sort of similar-ish books or books on the same topic and then talk about it. But the first book that we chose <laughs> turned out to be <laughs> a 12-week personal development book, which I thought was – I didn't realise that when I started reading The Artist's Way. Yeah, I've dipped in, but I've, I've got to admit 
Uh, I haven't done the court the twelve. Oh yeah, you fell off the wagon like you know five minutes in, and that was fair enough because you had immediately. Yeah, you had a lot of things. I mean, you didn't even get on the wagon. You're just like fuck this wagon. No, I got on the wagon. (laughs) I went deep in the wagon. Tell me about it. Well, the reason that I'm sort of looping it in a because we never started the book club, but b because in it there's so you sort of break down you know elements or things about creativity or things that are might be blocking you and you know you start to sort of look more for joyfulness and play and you know all these sort of elements and you also do something called taking yourself on an artist's date and it's something that so there's all these tasks to complete of which I did not all of them that's for sure but you know, this idea of the artist state, which is really doing something. And it said, it makes it really clear, like it doesn't include walking the dog. Like that's not your art. Or it doesn't include <laughs> going to a gallery with, you know, someone else. And it doesn't include your kids and it doesn't include your partner and it doesn't include your friends. So it's a date with yourself. It's a date with yourself. And, you know, that's something that this person is sort of embedding into and I think anyone who's creative needs that sort of you do need time for self-reflection and alone time to process things that are concurrently happening and you're always sort of finding patterns and things like that. But anyway, it just made me think about it's almost like an expansion on the artist's date, you know, is this all the types of, you know, it's not leave, it's not a holiday, it's it's this other thing and that's why I've used the word sabbatical and I haven't used the term long service leave very specifically because it's not long service leave, it's very much. Not a holiday. Yeah, it's not a holiday and it doesn't that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm going to be fucking nose to the grindstone the whole time but it's it's like an artist's date slash sabbatical and I love the word sabbatical too because it's got a sort of the Sabbath it's got something sacred about it and I really I feel like that's Mm. also an important element that it's a space that is sacred that I'm making I'm self-funding it I'm self-directing it and it's mine and I'm going to do you know something within that space and I think carving out that space is you know quite difficult but it's something that I've thought about you know, I can't take off eight months of the year. Well, maybe I could. I mean, I don't know. I probably can't every year. So how am I going to, you know, going forward, what could it look like? And then I was like, well, we're quite, we've got six seasons in Western Australia and the Noongar seasons. And so I was thinking mm. the best season, I mean, I don't know if I should tell everyone this, but the best season is because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise everyone will come, but in so people come to Denmark in summer in what's called Birak or Camberang and it's not the greatest time we've got a lot of it's very windy it's actually not very good the time is Geran which is autumn mm, the rainy season oh my god it's and it's that turning of the season the wind drops and it is like oh my god it's just so amazing so I'm thinking well maybe that's the time of year that I take off every year I don't know who knows I'm I'm just trying to work it all out Bo, you've been travelling a lot and thus listening to a lot of podcasts. Oh, yeah. Any recommendations? So, yeah, I have been listening to a lot of podcasts. So everyone loves and knows how to fail with Elizabeth Day. 
I don't listen to all of them. Like I'm not like a, you know, I don't binge on her podcast, but I did pick up the interview with Phil Wang, partly because I love listening to Asian Americans. I love Asian American comedians and I just, (laughs) I just find them, there's like a, it's just a very specific flavor of, you know, when you come from a. Of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And when you come from an Asian, like you can laugh, like, you know, it's just so funny. Anyway, so he has a Netflix special and I'd watch that and I'd sent it for the kids to watch. I thought it was pretty funny called Philly, Philly, Wang, Wang. And I listened to him speak to Elizabeth Day and I really enjoyed his interview. So highly recommend that. And then the other thing that I stumbled upon, so, you know, I'd done the interview with Riz McDonald, who's a lawyer um, at Found Legal, and she had her own podcast. That's originally how I found her. And then I found this other amazing podcast called Running the Show by Delwyn Everard, who's right here in WA, and she's deep in the visual arts sector and performing arts. And I've met her a couple of times, but her podcast just blew my socks off, so specific, so clear and, you know, with examples and things, just really, and I thought actually this is the sort of thing I want to be able to send to my clients so that they can sort of understand what I'm mm. when I'm talking about contracts and I'm talking about this stuff like it's I'm actually trying to protect everyone and I'm trying to protect them too and I'm trying to I'm actually trying to care for my community by and using the legal system. I'm not using it to push up against you. So I just felt like that was a really good listen. I've been re-listening to Madeline Dawes Routines and Ruts, which I just think is such So have I. Oh, have you? Bo, she's got a yeah, and she's got a book coming I out. I know. Did you know? I did know that, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Mm. Yes, me too. Gosh, it's so it's so full of gold, isn't it? Yeah, I'm very excited about her book and I'm so I'm just also really happy that she got a book deal that has, you know, come from this, you know, her amazing blog and then doing the podcast and I just her thoughts around the ebb and flow I think really align with a lot of the stuff we talk about on Soul Traders and also the productivity guilt stuff that you've been feeling. There would be some real warm hug episodes for you actually, Amy, because she, you know, she basically. That is why I've been reaching for it. Yeah, don't be hard on yourself. It's all good. She's so comforting, isn't she? Yeah, Yeah, she's fantastic. So, you know. Highly recommend for anyone, including in most of all creative people. Yeah. Mm. So continuing on, because I've got this really long list. (laughs) Obviously, Work Life with Adam Grant is, uh, you know, sort of real go-to. I listen to, I do listen to probably all of the episodes as they come out. But I listened to a really interesting one on languishing and flow, which actually you again, in that sort of space of like of moving into that space of flow, which we also talk about a lot and that I think we're all sort of looking for and that we love that we like, how do we create the conditions for flow? What sorts of things are they? And also this idea of languishing, which he really digs into and I really enjoyed. He also did an interview with the Hamilton creator and his dad and talked a bit about the creative process talked about parenting and this other idea which I loved which was called work-life rhythm which it basically acknowledging that work-life mm. balance we're always out of balance and the idea of work-life rhythm I think really fits beautifully 
among what we're talking about today, which is, you know, that we've been talking about creative well-being. We're talking about taking breaks. We're talking about being in flow. We're talking about product, you know, whether we're being productive or not. And it's all there. It's like, you know, the rich tapestry of life, but it's okay when mm. it's when you recognize you zoom out a bit and you go actually here's the rhythm rather than striving for this idea of balance which i think has had its place the idea of work life balance has absolutely been a really useful tool but for had us. a moment it's had its moment for discussion but it's over because i think we've just admitted that it's not I think everybody's realized collectively it's not possible. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's, it's sort of not in human nature really to. It's really not. And it's, yeah, that idea of rhythms and seasons and stuff, I think is part of it, I guess. The other thing I've been listening to, so obviously both of us are pretty big Schwartz media consumers between the Indeed. monthly magazine, but because I've had so much time on the road and post-production, I've, not been doing a heap of reading. So I can listen to, recently I listened to Helen Garner's Lockdown Diaries on 7am. So they're actually publishing oh, so the good. writer reading their articles out, which is great for me. Weekend read, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. They have one called The Culture and something else. So yeah, so that's been really good. And this is another total left of field, unrelated to everything worky, is it's a Spotify podcast. You know how Spotify is sort of now doing that thing where they're they're releasing their own content that's only oh, yeah. on their totally platform, a little bit like Netflix. So it's a documentary called Who is Daniel Johns on the former Silverchair frontman. And, you know, I was never a huge Silverchair fan, but I'm the same age as Daniel Johns and had grown you know, having grown up. So I would have well, I was fifteen when his big song was coming out. But the reason that I hooked into it so hard was because my husband grew up in Newcastle and is also exactly the same age. And he talks a lot about just how rough Newcastle was actually really a rough town. It was really interesting. So last night the kids and we were all we all ended up having like a silver chair sort of, and then we ended up in a 90s grunge listen fest in the lounge room. It was really fun. <laughs> All had this big trip down memory lane, like Stone Temple Pilots and Smashing Pumpkins oh. and we just, anyway. Oh, my god! So we just all went I've got there. to say, I was a massive fan. Yes, because you're that bit younger yeah. than me, so they would have been older than you. A little bit younger. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, oh, the big boys. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, whereas I would have, yeah. So anyway, I really enjoyed listening to that, you know, so that's just another like wacky, random recommend unrelated to everything except related to everything. What about you? What have you been listening mm. to? So I've been reading. I've been coming back to reading and I think it's been really grounding because, you know, often I listen to podcasts and I listen to audiobooks because I'm always doing other things. Mm. But as part of my kind of deliberate slowing down, I've been trying to read because you have to completely devote your attention to reading. Mm. And it's been really good. I started reading a book by Sarah, Sarah Wilson, her most recent book, This One Wild and Precious oh, Life. Yep. And yep. it's excellent. I'm not, I haven't finished, but it's, you know, I've been having this sort of as as well as my post lockdown fatigue, this sort of parallel 
kind of freak out mm. about like I you know I went from doom scrolling coronavirus daily case numbers to doom scrolling the the cop 26 oh, yeah. you know yeah. and just yeah absolutely in this just just state of despair mm. um at our our inaction anyway that book's been like a real salve for me because you know she's tackling big things and it's kind of rambling and chaotic the way it's organized it's sort of you know she talks about going on these various hikes and she she's written it over eight years being quite nomadic and traveling around and living out of one suitcase and but it really perfectly she's looking for the answers you know she's really striving to find answers like why are we so disconnected you know what are we going to do about this crisis we're at this you know, tipping point historically mm. and and bringing in all these references and talking about philosophy and, look, I'm really enjoying it, you know, and I love the way that she doesn't claim to have the answers but she's kind of, she's trying and she's, and she, the way she talks about the problem, about this experience of despair as, as an itch, you mm. know, this disconnect. I've actually read it and i didn't have the same i don't know whether maybe it was a timing thing or i'm not maybe the right audience or something but i i didn't love it and actually and i follow her on instagram and i read her captions and enjoy her captions and i've also heard her on numerous podcasts so i thought i would really like it but i yeah, it fell a bit flat for me actually as a book, but maybe again, it might have also been a timing thing. Oh, this is I found this book at the right the right time. Some, yeah, books are so much about timing, aren't they? What else? What else? Oh, well, I've just been going down the the rabbit hole on on this climate stuff. I've really enjoyed the Guardian podcast a full story and they've been going into, you know, the history of Australia's climate policy and it's oh. just so revealing. Definitely worth a listen. Oh, that sounds great. Also, um, Penny, Wong, oh, Penny Wong, great long-time, you know, big fangirl, is on Instagram only <laughs> recently and she's just killing it, man. She is just, <laughs> I just love a bit of Penny Wong. Yeah, I do too. And also on Instagram, Sean Doherty, I don't know whether I've mentioned him before. Yeah, he's yeah. a surfer, journalist. His commentary is, you know, he's he's a really an activist as well, like really involved in that fight for the bike campaign. But, yeah, well worth a follow as well. Yeah, I do follow him. I think he's like Sean888 or something or other on the Yeah, Sean0888. Can I just go back to the climate thing? So my niece, Jemima, has been, she hosts Climate Conversation. So she is 19 or maybe, I don't know, maybe, yeah, 19. And she has been thinking a lot about, how to move that need, like what sorts of messaging and what sorts of things move people from this paralysis towards action. And, you know, and she's a real positive pull person. So, you know, she's super enthusiastic and she's also- Super optimistic. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so it's been really great to see her. My former neighbour. Oh, yes, of course. That's right. You lived in the front house. Yeah. I forgot about that. Fremantle. Frio. So anyway, it's just been interesting. So a couple of weeks ago she organised a beach clean-up and, you know, we all got to do a yoga session with Sarah Warwork at the end, which was really great, who we interviewed or you interviewed actually earlier in this season. Oh, so good. Well worth 
Yeah, yeah, which interestingly we titled Everyone Has Influence and, you know, that's kind of very much the flavour because sometimes it's like whether you put something in the compost or not or whether you use a keep cup or not, that one action, you know, it really doesn't matter. But what happens, it's almost like your behaviour moves your mind where your head's at so it's not like you have to move your head you know yeah it's like a feedback loop a positive feedback loop and a sort of motivation like a momentum forward I've started composting again we live in a flat so we don't have a big enough garden to do it here but there's actually a couple of blocks away this fence with with like a kind of you can put your compost into their garden it's fantastic anyway that is nice yeah it's very cool and I heard about it through someone else and we're new to the community. But look, do you know what? I remember hearing, I can't remember her name, her name's Rebecca something. I'll put it in the show notes. She was one of the founders of the Plastic Free July movement. But she she talked about this idea of like small actions, you know, driving behaviour change and momentum. She talks about, you know, just taking small actions. It actually is a really powerful thing yeah. and it builds it builds and it does have impact. And it's certainly better than doom scrolling. <laughs> well, I was talking to, so on the way back from Greenspool this morning, I was, after having a little swimmy swim, I was talking to my husband about this idea of small actions and he works in mental health. So, you know, talks to a lot of people about how to, I guess, you know, steer your ship around when you've got lots of different complex issues and lots of things going on. But, you know, just in the space of habits and behaviour, you know, this idea that we that, that the small things accumulate is so important because it's not just the, you know, what's in front of you right now, the small thing isn't the game changer. It's that you're consistently doing it. And that's what's, and it's hard to see as a human, you know, because it's not immediate. So yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, obviously on a larger note, we actually do need to focus on policy regarding all of the big polluters, because actually our keep cup cannot balance out the amount of, it just can't balance out the greenhouse gases that are being pumped out by much larger industries. But it's about how we tackle it because that apathy and that paralysis, I think actually, you know, has become the enemy in so many ways. It's really toxic. I had a nice thing come through my superannuation people. If you wanted to, you could add your name to the front page of the Financial Times in Glasgow on the day of COP26. So that was really interesting. So they put, you know, your name there, you know, with their call to action. And then they sent an ebook copy of, that's why I asked if it was Rebecca Huntley of Dr. Rebecca Huntley's publication, which is called How to Talk About Climate Change in a Way That Makes a Difference. So, I mean, I was like, oh, that's a really Ooh, nice, like in that. terms of running a superannuation, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's quite nice to sort of have those like feedback loops and things going on. Kicking any goals? got any goals? Bo, I am going to have a website soon. I thought you already had a website. No, no, no. Oh, you don't have a website. 
I do it all. I do everything on referrals. And do you know what? I haven't needed one, but I've decided it's time. I want mm. one. I want to, you know, have that space on the internet where I say like, this is who I am and here's some links and here's how you can work with me. But, oh, my gosh, being a writer and trying to write your own web copy, mm. oh, geez. Judgment heavy, heavy judgment. <laughs> but, um, oh, it was really hard. But, you know, I'm working with Studio Bonham and I just, I just called – them or emailed them. I said, look, guys, we've just got to do this. Give me a deadline and I'll, I'll just get you some copy and like, let's just start this mm, ship rolling. Yeah. And that's the magic of collaboration, you know, when you make yourself accountable to other people. So that helped me. But it's also like, you know, it's so much easier to work to other people's deadlines than your own. Yeah, you know, you can just, totally. Yeah, anyway, just so around. that's going to happen. Bo, tell me, what about you? Someone sent me a photo, text messaged it to me, of them using the ABC method that they'd heard on our podcast about how, you know, it was like a, I can't remember oh. which episode it was, but it's that thing where, you know, you've got your crazy list of to-dos and then I had the ABC mm. or D, which is A, absolutely needs to be done right now, B, before too long, C, can wait, and D, delegate. So, Anyway, and I usually put a time. Mm -hmm. So that's how all my lists work, you know, and they're bits of paper and then they get scrunched up and chucked away. Anyway, nice. it was great. So this person had done that and sent me a photo and I really liked that. And the other thing is that I have booked in to do a 12-hour yoga day retreat with Emma D'Souza, who is the yoga, um, she's the person doing the yoga and meditation sessions at our upcoming Soul Traders retreat. So I'm very excited. I'm actually going to be doing Can't 12 wait. hours of yoga. I mean, I'm sure I won't be like, it won't be hardcore, but anyway, so Ricky and I are doing it together, which is also super exciting. And the location is this meditation center, which is just across the road from us on the water in Denmark. So we, we can basically walk there and then walk back. So, I mean, sort of work related in that, you know, I have to go so that I can, you know, learn more about our <laughs> yoga. But you are making space. <laughs> no, look, this is the flavour of the whole episode. Yeah. Speaking of taking breaks, Bo, we are going to take a break from this podcast. This is basically the end of season two. We're hoping to come back with some episodes over summer. Yes, summer specials or something, like summer sessions, something, summer something. Oh, hell yeah. So, you know, I think it's been a really fun ride. And also, you know, it'll be great to take some space and see what comes out of that too. Absolutely. This podcast has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri and Noongar peoples. Our thanks to Lucy Peach for sharing her song, She Who Dares, over season two of Soul Traders podcast, and Scott from Soundmind Editing for making the best of our technically challenged recordings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great to talk to you as always, Amy. Talk to you soon. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.